Young adults, you are dismissed. Older adults, you are not. I'd invite you to join me in the pastoral epistles. Uh, it's more like a, uh, a little Bible study this morning. We are starting a, a new series contemplating what are the distinguishing marks of a church that is healthy. Can you, in a clear and concise way, with an economy of words, explain why you go to Newtown Bible Church? There are a lot of churches in our area. Why did you land here and not the first church of somewhere else? I'd ask you another follow-up question to think about this study we're getting started on. When you explain, you know, somebody at work or in your neighborhood or your family, they, they ask you, they know that you go to church, that you're a part of the church, and they say, well, what is, what is church? Um, and, and, and as you try to explain to them why you seek to go to a biblically faithful church, when you go on vacation and you look for a church to go to on Sunday, what exactly are you looking for? What are we in our local expression of the body of Christ here at this church seeking to create as we honor the head of the church that he bought as a bride. So we want to think about the church. We want to think about how we can um, be an expression of a church that is biblically expressed. If you wanted to join me in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 1, Paul charges Titus, his young protege in the ministry, Titus, much like Timothy, who was his son in the faith. Titus 2 and verse number 1, somebody want to read that for us? But you speak the things that are fitting for sound doctrine. In chapter 1, verses 10 through 16, Paul had already described a bunch of teachers on the island of Crete. And at this juncture, this is why in our English translations there is a break. This starts Chapter 2, you, just a reminder, we, we know that chapter divisions are not inspired by God, uh, but they give us sizable sections to deal with. And so, uh, in contrast to all the, the false teachers on the island of Crete that were, quote-unquote, practicing ministry, practicing church life, whatever that was, in contrast, but... This is what ought to be true of a true minister 
of the gospel. That phrase, as for you, renders this, uh, a simple pronoun in, in the Greek. Uh, it is emphatic, but you yourself as a minister of the gospel, as somebody who represents Christ. Paul uses that formula throughout the pastoral epistles of First and Second Timothy and Titus. And this simple command to speak up, step up to the plate in regards to teaching. This is an imperative command that demands action to be taken repeatedly. In the face of all the falsehood of those that would call themselves churches, proponents of the truth, the pastor's primary strategy is to teach the truth. So somebody asks you, what's the church? What's it all about? If you want to Sum it up in a word, teaching. That's what church is. It's about teaching. It's about knowing the truth. And such a teaching, Paul says, is, has a preemptive aspect to it. Uh, sometimes it's corrective, and sometimes it's just getting all the ducks in a row so that you don't have to be corrected later on. So, in a very succinct, concise way, Paul charges Titus, teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Beloved, we need to be concerned with what we are taught. If there is one thing that should concern us about the church of Jesus Christ in our contemporary age, in our contemporary society, we ought to be concerned with a lack of discernment. Lack of discernment. Um, there needs to be a commitment to know the God of the Bible as He's revealed Himself therein. Churches are not to function according to what works based on a pragmatic approach to ministry. Going to Assemble with the church is not about learning a bunch of uh, external morals and values. It's not about learning truth taken out of its historical grammatical context. I remember the first church I pastored, we were looking at our educational program in our Sunday school hour. And so, when we were looking at trying to get a decent curriculum, I contacted all these Sunday school companies that provide, and if you want to be disappointed and frustrated with what goes on in, in churches, just get samples sent to you of um, Sunday school curriculums full of fluff and stuff that's not sound doctrine as taught in Scripture. You know, you can even get, uh, uh, you go to CBD and uh, you Google in and they will show you the uh, Mayberry Bible study so that you can learn some of the great morals from Barney Fife. 
I mean, I just use that as one example. This is not far-fetched and a unique example of what is out there. I remember when we were out at, uh, when I was serving out at uh, Grace Church, it took us 10 years to develop a Sunday school curriculum because when you get all these samples sent to you of all these vain ramblings, you get frustrated. When we were on vacation up in Maine just a couple of weeks ago and somebody asked me, you know, we're, we're a fledgling church, we're trying to get started and we, we, want, we want to be able to teach the children in children's church and she gave me her post-it note of all these recommendations that were given to her. And as I perused down through them, I said, sister, do yourself a favor and throw the post-it note away. And, uh, you know, either go to generationsofgrace.com or, or desiring, uh, children desiring God because the, the options are severely limited when you're looking for sound doctrine. We ought to be concerned with what we are taught. We need to be educated on a biblical model. We need to... Uh, even if you understand what a healthy church is, we need to learn how to excel still more to keep doing what we do day in and day out, week in and week out until Jesus returns for us or calls us home. And God has not left Himself without a witness of what He expects the church to be and how it is to function. Matter of fact, Three exclusive books of the New Testament were written on what the church is and how it's to function, and they are known as the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus. In First Timothy, the overall thrust is church organization. In Second Timothy, sound doctrine, and Titus, consistent Christian living. If you want to see one of the primary purposes of why God gave the pastoral epistles to the church. Look with me back at, at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 15. In 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, the apostle says, In case I'm delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. You know, Paul comes alongside the church and he encourages them with the fact, you know, if I'm delayed from coming, God's already spoken. God's already delivered what he expects on how the church functions. You could look at the pastoral epistles as taking preventative medicine so that in contrast to the false teachers on the Isle of Crete that uh, Paul writes to Titus about there, and he says, in contrast to what's going on there, you make sure that you speak what is good for sound doctrine. We can be a healthy church. We can function as the church in such a way that we don't have to be corrected by the head of the church. So we need to understand afresh the importance of, of Scripture. As, uh, as a foundation, let, let me just remind us of a uh, 
few verses here. If we're saying that church is all about teaching and it's all about knowing God's truth as He has revealed it in Scripture, we need to be reminded according to what he says there in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16, all Scripture is what? You memorized it years ago, didn't many of you did. It's inspired by God. Breathe out its sources in God Himself. So why, beloved, would a church seek to exist and not function in a way that they go listen to what God has to say? He's given us everything we need to model after. He's given us the Scriptures, which we're told are profitable, they're instructive, they're sufficient, they're effective in our lives. And, and to unpack the profitability of the Word of God that many people have replaced and substituted in contrast to those that think there's something other than what God has put together that's better, His Word, which is inspired by Him, is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Tells us what's right, tells us what's wrong, tells us how to get it right, tells us how to keep it right. And not only that, it is so that, verse 17, so that the man of God may be adequate. Don't you want to be an adequate servant of the Almighty? That we might be adequate, equipped for every good work. If we had time, we'd we'd, uh, go to other passages that bear up this same truth about the ministry the church, not just, be, not just being a hospital for the hurting, but the church is a boot camp. It gets you armed for warfare. It equips you for the battle. That uh, word of equipping was used of a ship that was gotten ready for a trip. It was filled up with everything they need for the trip ahead. Nothing lacking, nothing missing. So why look elsewhere? We've got the Word which is inspired. We've got the Word, second of all, that's authoritative. Back in his his first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 5.18. It gives wisdom, furnishes us. It's that which... uh, Paul comes alongside Timothy and he says, Tim, study to what? Show yourself approved by God. A workman that doesn't need to hang his head in shame because he's done what? Cut the word straight. Rightly divided it. Study, Tim. Study. It's about the truth. Think back with me as we, as, as you think back to the verse we started with in, uh, in Titus 2.1. Speak the things which are in accord with sound doctrine. Timothy, Titus, and any other minister of the gospel, any other child of God seeking to be a viable functioning part of the church, 
if you fail to preach and teach sound doctrine, that which is healthy, and you substitute it for something unhealthy, that, uh, that soundness is, is a theme repeated throughout the pastoral epistles. Sound or healthy is from a Greek word from which we get our English word hygiene. If you don't practice good hygiene, you get sick. You get sick. God's interested in His church being healthy, not hurting, not limping along. Timothy, Titus, speak sound doctrine, teaching, contrary to those that say that uh, doctrine is divisive. How can... uh, Yes, the truth does divide, but that doesn't mean we stop teaching the truth. We must have healthy teaching. If you were to trace that soundness through the pastorals, Paul starts off in the first chapter of the first epistle in in 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 10. He tells us that immoral men, homosexuals, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, they're living in what is contrary to sound teaching according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, the healthy theme expanded on further. First, 2 Timothy 1.13 Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. So many churches in our day wanting to reinvent ministry, disconnect from the past. You know, what we do is not unique at this church. We just want to do what faithful churches have done in in the past. It's not a matter of disconnect. It's a matter of identify with the pattern of sound words which we've been taught. That's what leads to a healthy church. Later on in the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy... Here's what the apostle turned prophet said would happen. He says, the time will come when they won't sit under, they won't obey, they won't continue in sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Over in the third volume of the pastorals, Titus, chapter 1, verse 9. When when Paul sets Titus up and he says, in contrast to the false teachers on the island of Crete, you are to uh, 
speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. And he gives, uh, what, was, what was Titus's mandate? Go throughout all the cities and appoint elders. Appoint elders. And he gives some qualifications of those that would lead his church. And he says there in chapter 1 and verse 9, they're to be holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able to exhort in sound doctrine to refute those who contradict. You know, if you've got a ministry that's all um, experience-based and uh, you got, uh, you know, somebody says, well, God told me I'm supposed to do this. Well, how do you refute that? How do you, how do you contradict that? Because you can't reproduce what they said was their experience in the privacy of their own home of what God told them to do. But if you've been giving an inspired word, which is authoritative, which lays out not only the foundation, but fleshes out church life and ministry, you compare what we are doing with what has been done, which either validates or negates our practice. It is the standard that God has established, that God has set. So if we want to be a healthy church, we will be those who hold fast to the faithful word. Does the Scripture's command this, are there principles there that we can extract from it in order for what we are to be as the bride of Christ? Later on in the 13th verse, he says, this testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith. If there is not a contradiction for that which is false, that which is not true, there can't be health. You just sweep it under the rug and say, well, it doesn't matter. Ministry can be done any way people want to do it. Can't we all just get along? There must be that contradiction of that which is false. In the second chapter, we, we started with verse 1 earlier. Make sure you speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Notice in verse 2, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible. There's that health word again. Sound in faith. So sound teaching leads to sound faith. Which, notice verse 8. Make sure your speech is sound. So that it's beyond reproach. Much is said about our speech in Scripture. James tells us that if you haven't sinned with your speech, you're a perfect man, and there's none of those here, especially the person standing before you. But as you conform to truth, your faith is informed, and it flows out of your life in words which are healthy as well. Healthy being... Healthy actions. Timothy, Titus, Paul says, 
sound doctrine, sound theology is distinctive number one of a healthy ministry, a healthy church. Make sure that you practice wholesome words. 1 Timothy 6.3, 2 Timothy 1.13, wholesome words. What is the opposite of wholesome words? In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 17, he, define, he defines what the antonym is for healthy words. What is the opposite? Gangrene. 2 Timothy 2.17 All the false ministries filled by false teachers around them, he says their talk is going to spread like gangrene. Unless there is absolute submission to the authority of what God has revealed in His truth. When the boys and I watch any old flicks of uh, Civil War era, and you see what a painful and almost hopeless situation it was for many people that had to have appendages amputated, because if there wasn't radical action taken to cut it off, it would infiltrate and kill. Such is unwholesome words, unsound doctrine. There is a no-toleration policy. So the opposite is gangrene. He, he repeats himself so often throughout the pastorals because it's so easy to skip merrily along in ministry and in church life, yeah, we've heard it before. We need sound doctrine. Well, it's so easy to forget and to miss how simple a principle that is. So he repeats it in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 3. Teach no other doctrine. No other doctrine. 1 Timothy 1.4 Neither give Heed. So, brother and sister in Christ, what are you listening to for preaching that fills your week? What are you reading? What's on the bookshelf of your home? What are you filling your hearts and minds with? Be cautious. Discernment needed. Otherwise, that gangrenous doctrine will infiltrate, it will spread, it will steal life and health from us. So, Timothy, teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to it, but in the contrast to that, and as he puts a positive slant on it, he says, be nourished up. I see a lot of parents here. You understand this term. We're given by the doctors these growth charts, you know, and uh, uh, all these standards of uh, knowing that a, a kid is thriving. We're to be growing up. We're to be nourished and nurtured in the household of God. First Timothy 4, 6. He says, in pointing out these things to the brethren... As you instruct God's people, 
as we instruct each other in the, in the, the nourishing words of God, as we go to the Word of God and, 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 and cling to it and, and uh, desire it, as Peter says, as the sincere milk of the Word that we might grow thereby. He says, as you point these things out to the brethren, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished in the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you've been following. The truth, the truth, the truth. What breeds health in the church? What breeds health in Christian ministry? The truth. Teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed, but on the positive, be nourished up. Be nourished up, growing in the Word. He, he says it later on in the 13th verse. Notice what he says. Until I come, give attention or pay heed to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. When we give attention, when we breed an appetite for healthy doctrine, it's not enough. There's always, the, it's an insatiable appetite. I can't get enough truth intake, whether it be through, through uh, preaching at church or other sound ministries that I supplement online with. Give attendance to it. Take heed. Verse 16, pay close attention to yourself, to your teaching, your doctrine. If you do that, you'll ensure salvation for yourself and those who hear you. Matter of fact, he clinches it in the, in the next chapter. In chapter 5 and verse 17. You want a stamp of God's approval on life and ministry? God says the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor. Why are they to be esteemed? Because they labor in the Word. The truth. Truth-driven ministry is a healthy ministry. Labor in it. There must be purity in doctrine throughout. Paul spends uh, almost the whole chapter 1 of 1 Timothy in talking about purity in doctrine. His second letter to Timothy, even in Titus, Titus 1.9, sound doctrine that you might be sound in faith and overflow with sound speech. If we're wanting to know what should be a distinguishing trait, a characteristic of our ministry, it would be sound theology, sound doctrine. That which, when, that term healthy or sound, if you want to insert synonyms to help expand what that means, it is that teaching which is reliable. It is accurate or it is faithful. The root, as I said, is, is from an image from the medical world, meaning that a person is whole or healthy, not like that part of their being that is gang being eaten away by gangrene, but there is wholeness to the body. There is health. There is vigor. So we need to be faithful to teach the, the entire Bible. There's not um, soapbox doctrines that we 
talk about all the time to the expense of staying away from the other ones that, that we think cause division, that what aren't, which aren't so happy and light. Yes, we love going to passages that talk about God's blessing poured into our lives, but how about what we're doing for our Scripture reading right now in the book of Amos? Much of what the minor prophets had to tell God's people was not just about re restoration in the end, but what precedes that restoration is judgment. People want to stay away from holiness and, and, and the sin issues. There can be no health, no soundness if we don't preach the entire counsel of God. Biblical theology is uh, that which reliably and accurately interprets the parts in terms of the whole, the whole enchilada. It conforms to the gospel and it opposes ungodliness and sin. Later, Paul uh, contrasts false doctrines with sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and godly teaching, 1 Timothy 6.3. He exhorts, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. Keep in line with the faithful people of yesteryear who have honored me with their ministries. And he does warn that the time is coming, Timothy and Titus. It's not popular to seek to have a healthy, God-honoring ministry. Not popular. People don't want their toes stepped on. They've got itchy ears. To Titus, he says, hold firm to the trustworthy message so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine. What was occurring in the church 2,000 years ago that preceded us? You know, we look in our day and age and we say, what hope is there for the church? There is so much apostasy, so much false teaching uh, inf that's infiltrated the church. But what was going on in Paul's day that he addresses that would require such emphatic teaching about their life and doctrine? When Paul says to Titus, speak the things which are in accord with sound doctrine, how does he follow that up? Notice, verses 2 through 9, if you wanted to jot this down for meditating on later, such a simple command, speak what is fitting for sound doctrine. Verses 2 through 9 gives a, a whole long list of what was going on in the church. Anger, immorality, immaturity in life and doctrine, lack of reverence, slander, meanness, substance abuse, idleness, family breakdown, crudity, dishonesty, frivolity, disobedience, backtalk, and theft. Such a list to characterize the church of Paul's day. And if such matters had to be met head-on with sound teaching through 
Timothy and Titus's ministries, we shouldn't doubt that they would be present in the church of our day. Such issues often lie beneath the surface. They're present wherever fallen people meet, and it's only exposed as we continue to teach week in and week out sound doctrine. Knowing that it's, it's not the popular message, So as we look at what we want to be as a ministry, one foundational criteria, one distinguishing mark of a sound, non-gangrenous, healthy church is sound doctrine. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We look at what goes on in the name of church life and, and ministry and so many substitutions, and yet you've given your inspired, inerrant, and authoritative word. You are the head of the church, and you've given your instruction manual on what to believe and how to behave. We ask that your spirit would make that the passion of our soul, the heartthrob of our ministry, that we would be sound in speech sound in faith because we are sound in doctrine. Might that mark not only our corporate life as a church, but as individual members in our personal lives, that you would give us even a greater appetite to know your truth and to do your truth. We ask you to do this in the name of Christ, which is above every name, the Lord Jesus. Amen.